Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Things Undone. I am your host, Granny She Is, and on this podcast, we talk about life after divorce and how to move forward successfully, in particular, if you've been married for more than, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 plus years, and you find yourself suddenly single, this might be the podcast for you. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 10. It is the last episode in season one. And congratulations to me for getting through an entire season and being consistent with this endeavor. So before I start and jump into part two of The Undoing, I know we left off on that cliffhanger of someone introducing me to Adderall. But before we get into that, I want to give a bit of a disclaimer Remember, this is my personal truth. This is me telling you all what led up to me starting all things undone for other people. So this is my truth. I am revealing to the world that I am perfectly imperfect. I am a flawed individual. And I'm telling this from my perspective. I had already begun a healing journey, but the things that transpired leading up to the divorce and after really triggered my healing. So for those of you who are listening to understand and to learn ways to overcome your grief from a divorce, please take what resonates in this message. For those of you who are listening for the sake of listening, for the sake of verifying whatever rumor you heard, love and light to you. I hope you find yourself your own path and you begin your own healing. But in the meantime, by all means, please continue to talk about this podcast talk about the things that I am saying to make other people curious enough to listen to it. So with that being said, we're going to get into the rest of the story. Let's do it. All right, so When we left off, I told you guys that someone had introduced me to Adderall and that happened in around 2016 when I was introduced to um, Adderall. I had been in the role of training manager for two years. My team and I, we did exceedingly well at hitting every service level agreement and metric that was that was expected of us we were doing amazing as a team the pressure on me was extremely high to continue to perform at that level Uh, at this time we're running am pm classes i'm working a ridiculous amount of hours i'm ashamed to say how many hours i was putting in in a week uh, to make sure that we remained um, on top Anyway, I was exhausted and someone introduced me to Adderall. Now, for those of you who may not know, Adderall is a combination of medication that's used to treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. And it works by changing the amounts of certain natural substances in the brain. It belongs to the amphetamine family. 
and it's a class of drugs known as stimulants. It can help increase your ability to pay attention, stay focused on an activity, and control behavioral problems. It may also help you organize your task and improve listening skills. This drug is also used to treat a certain sleeping disorder, narcolepsy. So it helps you stay awake during the day, but it should not be used, of course, to treat tiredness or to hold out sleep because it's a stimulant. It keeps your brain going. I got this information off of WebMD if anyone wants to go look it up for themselves. Adderall also is addictive. It's an addicting um, drug. It is. So I started taking Adderall and true to its name, it did all of those things for me. It increased my ability to pay attention, to stay focused. Uh, It helped me organize my task, improve my listening skills. It was an amazing drug. Do I have ADHD? No. Did, was it prescribed? Of course. As a matter of fact, it, it, it has been prescribed at such a rate that in, these, in October of 2022, there was a shortage of Adderall because of overprescribing. So does this drug work? Absolutely. Do other people in corporate America use it in other forms of businesses and career fields? I'm sure they do, but I can't speak for them. I can only speak for myself. So 2016, um, I began Adderall, taking Adderall. Not only does it work to do all these things, you know, improve your listening skills, organization, help you stay focused, it keeps your weight down. Um, So that was a great uh, benefit at the time, I thought. So you don't realize that when you're not ADHD and you're taking a a medication for someone that is, it kind of keeps you in this state of euphoria, which I ended up being in this state of euphoria while on Adderall. And because the Adderall kept me up all day and and most of the night, because I needed to be up to make sure I was alert for the the task that I had, the job that I had, I ended up also being prescribed Klonopin. What's Klonopin, you ask? (laughs) Well, Klonopin, or as I used to call it, PAMS, Clazepam, it's Klonopin. We used to call them PAMS. It is used to pretty much treat um, insomnia. So it helps you go to sleep. It's like um, anti-anxiety medication. So it's it's really used to prevent and control seizures, which that's one of the things it does. It's known as an anti-convulsant or anti-epileptic drug. It is also used to treat panic attacks. And so Klonopin works by calming your brain and your nerves down, right? And it belongs to a class of drugs called benzodiazepines. So... In the daytime, I'm taking Adderall to stay up and do what I need to do. I was amazing at it. Um, Then to go to sleep at night, I'm taking Klonopin. And sometimes, you know, in between all of that, every now and then I would smoke a joint. So I got off into like this whole regimen of being up, working, doing amazing, 
going to sleep at night, getting back up. And this was a rigorous routine. It wasn't a regular nine to five. You pretty much just did the job until the job was done. And um, I know a lot of people look, if they're on the outside looking in at a corporate job, you think that's a regular nine to five, you go to work and you're there from eight to 4.30 and you go home. Depending on the nature of the contract that you're working on, your work is not done until your work is done. So other people in corporate America who have high pressure jobs will understand what I'm saying. Anyway, I um, I think between 2016 and the beginning part of 2018, like that January earlier in that year, the end of December 2017, the beginning of January 2018, I was noticing that I was myself, but I was not myself, right? I was myself in the respect that I was doing all the things on the surface that constituted a a good wife, a good mother, a good coworker, a good manager. I was doing the things that I needed to do. Underneath the surface, I was using all of these coping mechanisms because that's what it was to maintain the rigorousness of my lifestyle at the time. So the beginning of 2018 comes, and trust me, at this point, I'm sure my my ex-spouse noticed the behavioral changes. He did not know that I was taking Adderall. He did not know that I was taking Colazepam's. He knew that I occasionally smoked marijuana. Was he cool with it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But as I had told you all in part one, I heard him, but I was determined to live my life. Now, at this point, he did start showing signs that he maybe suspected that I was having an affair. Now, I wasn't having an affair at this point because of the amount of work that I was doing. The behavioral changes came from these these drugs that I that I was on these uh prescription drugs and in in a way it kind of makes you not give a fuck I don't know how else to say it you care but you don't care so I was kind of in that that mode and I had gotten to the point where is you know my job was going good I was doing well there I was still like you know sexing my my ex down because we were still married at the time so my sex drive didn't dwindle in that department like anytime he said he wanted whatever whenever I'm there like I'm down like whatever you want to do sir I'm here I got you right so um that continued but I think it got to a point where he really didn't recognize me I think I went on a business trip in like 2017 or something and I had taken pictures in the hotel that I was in and after work one day, I think me and some coworkers had went out and I remember him seeing the picture online and saying, I don't know who that person is, but that is not my wife. Like he literally said that to me. And I was like, what do you mean? That is me not recognizing because hindsight is always 2020 you guys. So not recognizing that he saw the changes. And of course he would see the changes in my behavior because at this point we had been married. We got married in 1994 and here it is 2017 girl how many years is that how many how many years is that y'all i don't know put my calculator out because my brain is not working on its own right now it's like a bunch of years and then when you know my calculator ain't even on my computer no more like what the frick anyway so 1994 2004 is 10 years uh 2014 is 20 years so 2016 so like we're we're 2017 we're up to like 23 or 24 years married 
So if anyone would know these behavior changes in me, it would definitely be my ex. And he did. He picked right up on it. He just didn't know what it was because I really did conceal the fact that I was taking Adderall. Very, very few people knew that I was taking Adderall. I can count on my finger three of them. And one sadly has passed away. May he rest in heaven forever. Um, so very, very few people knew about this habit that I had. So I can see how he would think that maybe I was stepping out. I wasn't. I was literally at work. He could come to work anytime and ask for me day or night and I would come out. I was there. But rumors did begin to circulate that I was having various affairs were they true no did i get ethics complaint often every time i did hiring every year for six years i got an ethics complaint if someone didn't get hired if they didn't get hired they got upset they put in an ethics complaint against me saying that i hired someone unfairly either it was nepotism or some other weird thing and i would get these crazy complaints about the reason i hired a person over another person Anyway, I would come home, come home and share these different stories with my ex, who, to my surprise, said, well, you told me out of your own mouth that you were being investigated for nepotism. I was being investigated for alleged nepotism. It proved to not be true. So it's a rumor. But anyway, long story short, that's where it began, like in 2017, with him starting to think that, oh, I'm cheating on him again. I'm cheating on him again. Was I hiding secrets at this point? I was. And for some reason, in my twisted way of thinking, I thought that admitting to drug use would be way far worse than admitting to having an affair. I would rather admit to having an affair over admitting that I'm addicted to prescription meds that was like the most shameful thing to me at the time like I didn't want anyone to know that about me because in my brain in my scenario the narrative that I run for myself in my head daily daily even if it's a prescription medication if it's something you're addicted to and you're dependent on it's pretty much like I was a crackhead but I was like I was a secret one so that to me was a secret worth keeping. And I kept that secret. Even uh, when he asked me, when he when he accused me, he didn't ask me anything. So uh, I'm, I'm going on with life and uh, he asked me uh, if I was having an affair like that September of 2018, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But the reason I said that now is because my behavior had changed. It, it just, I didn't notice that he noticed. But he did. I was unrecognizable to this man that I had been married to for all of these years. So after about, and I was working out, like I can tell y'all, was, it was a maniac. I felt like I was working all the time. And then I was trying to be at the church events and, and be at home and be at my daughter's school for all the things she needed to be. Did I do all these things? Yes. Was I successful at them? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I don't mean to say that to sound like an asshole or a narcissist, but I was maintaining the things I needed to maintain. And I think the more of a secret we need to keep, the more of a perfect facade we put on for the public to hide the things we want no one to see. 
And that is what I was doing up until I said about that December 2017 to the beginning of January 2018. I was just tired. I was tired of this this rigorous schedule. Like I didn't I'm like I'm going to be done. I'm going to I'm not doing the the Adderall anymore. I'm not taking the clonazepam's anymore. Like I'm just about to stop all of this. I'm just about to stop it cold turkey. And I did. I stopped taking Adderall. I stopped taking the freaking clonazepam's and wouldn't you know, I go through withdrawals. And I have to go through withdrawals in secret. I wasn't going to a doctor to tell, you know, um, or like a rehab. I wasn't going anywhere because, again, I told y'all this was a secret that I was determined to keep. I didn't want anybody to know that I had got off dependent on these freaking pills. And those little blue blue pills are are like very addictive. But I did. I just I stopped cold turkey and um, start withdrawals, go through withdrawals. And again, another behavior change. Right. And not only did my um, spouse notice these changes, of course, my team began to notice because it was other things I started to clean up, like maybe things I would let slide before with my team. I got like really, really serious and focused on policy at work to the point where they were like, what is happening? Like, why is she targeting us in this way? I wasn't targeting my team. It was just that I was cleaning up my life unbeknownst to them. And as a way of projecting, I think I was forcing what I was doing onto the team in the form of enforcing all the policies that I may have been lax on before. I became really stringent with enforcing those things. Plus, we just had had a buyout. So the new company had come in with new policies. So it was easy for me to to enforce those new policies because it was a new company. So why not start off on a good foot is the way I was thinking. Start off on a good foot with this good company and with this new company and just make sure my team is following uh, these rules to the letter. So then that led to more at this complaints um, for that my team put in against me. But this time the ethics complaints were more of reverse ra- re- reverse racism. I was accused of that. I was accused of targeting. I was accused of, um, what is the, what is the word? Fraternizing, favoritism. Um, I was accused of everything. Uh, and my team was also getting attacked. They, we were accused of selling drugs in the parking lot. We were accused of selling sex. Amazingly, that was actually an ethics complaint. We were accused of sleeping with each other within the team. I mean, like the complaints that we were getting were so ridiculous. I I actually told the lady from the ethics department that called me. I was like, I'm almost tempted to get an attorney because I feel like you all are attacking me. I feel like people are using the ethics line as a way to retaliate against me for terminating them for whatever reason. And I told her, this is ridiculous. Like the complaints, the things that you are bringing to me right now, like I'm not even going to have the dignity to answer. And I didn't. Some of that stuff I just flat out didn't answer. All of those complaints were closed because they were unfounded. They were based in rumors and lies and jealousy and envy. So needless to say, by the summer of 2018, I was so done. I was like, I'm just ready 
to go to a different company, go to a different position because I'm no longer having fun in this position. Not only that, at this point, I'm almost completely sober. Like, you know, I do still like smoke weed though. But so far as taking the um, Adderall and Colazepam, no, like I'm done with those. I'm completely done. Um, it took a minute to get through like the withdrawals. That was crazy. Um, and then by the time July of 2018 rolls around, like I'm in a better headspace. I can see things clearer. I'm still working out. I'm eating clean. I'm eating like cleaner than I've than I've ever eaten before. Um, and I'm like really focused in church because like when you go through something like that, you you start getting in touch with your spiritual side. You may not tell anybody that, but you really do. And so now July of 2018 rolls around and I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm not taking all this crazy stuff. You know, I'm not even, I'm not doing tequila. I'm not going to Thursday Thursdays with my friend. Like friends, I'm not doing anything. I'm chilling. So then September rolls around. So now we got September, uh, July and August. You know, I thought those were good months with Colston. And it seems like my ex and I, at the time, my spouse and I were in a good place. At least I thought we were in a good place. And um, he, he came home one day in September I guess I should back up. So he went on, um, he loves to go fishing, my ex. So he was gone a lot, you know, over the summer fishing, which was great. Uh, I loved anytime he got to do anything he wanted to do. That was great. And so now September rolls around, September rolls around and I go, I'm at work. I come home. I do my regular routine, which is, you know, take me a nice long soak, chill in the tub, you know, scroll my social media, and that's like my wind down time. And um, he comes into the bathroom and he sits on the, on, the, on the toilet and I'm in the tub and I'm on social media. And he was like, okay, I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I put my phone down and then he says, no, you could keep scrolling on your phone. I'm like, no, but you want to talk to me. So I'm going to put my phone down. So uh, at this point he's like, well, you know, I went to the doctor and X, Y, and Z. So a long story short, he accused me of giving him an, a sexually transmitted infection. But at the time he said, I have an STI. And I didn't know what that was. Cause back in the day, we called them STDs of like a venereal disease. So I didn't know what an STI was. And so I asked him, what's an STI? And he said, you know, it's a sexually transmitted infection. I was like, oh, like a venereal disease. And he said, yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, how did you get it? Because I don't have that, you know? And he was like, well, I got it from you. And I'm like, no, you couldn't have gotten it from me because I don't have an STI. I'm not itching. I'm not burning. I don't have smelly discharge. Like, there is nothing wrong with my hoo-ha. Like, it's good. And so back and forth we go. And I was like, it's easy to solve this issue. I'll just call my gynecologist in the morning and make an appointment, you know, to, to get checked out. It's no big deal. And then he was like, well, who are you? Who have you been messing around with? Nobody. I'm not messing around with anybody. 
But he didn't believe that. And so I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, because I'm not going to argue with someone who already has their mind made up. I knew that I wasn't sleeping around. Like I had a secret, but that wasn't my secret this time. <laughs> I had a different secret that I had been keeping. Well, anyway, long story short, I go to see my gynecologist and I get a whole workup of, um, of, of tests, you know, for STIs, STDs, AIDS, HIV, hepatitis, uh, B and C, I think it was. And of course, all the tests come back and they're negative. Like, um, I'm clean across the board. So I share this with my spouse, my now ex-spouse, who is in disbelief. Like, he still doesn't believe it and he's still blaming me for, um, giving him an STI that I don't freaking have. Like, okay, sir, that's something you got to work out with yourself. Cause I know based on my medical records that I did not do any of these things that you're accusing me of doing. Now that's the one time I did not reveal that I had indeed just kicked an Adderall and Clazepam habit. Cause that was a secret. I really, I really was not going to share. But it needs to be shared because I'm taking accountability for my actions. What my spouse did with whatever he did uh, when it came to him being accountable, that's his story to tell his way. So long story short, he was like, I want a divorce. And I 100% agree that at this stage in the game, we were getting a divorce because he had been doing things that he was not willing to be accountable for. If you're not willing to be accountable to yourself, if no one else, then there is nothing else for us to build toward. So that was indeed the ending of that marriage. Had it already started to dissolve? Yes. Even though it lasted 25 years, I believe our foundation was shaky from the beginning. We just both did a good job of propping it up for so long because we said we love each other. We're committed to making this work. And for the better part of our lives, we made it work. Did we grow apart? Yes. Did I grow up? Literally, I did. It's a long way from 1990, 14-year-old Cheryl to 2018, 43-year-old Cheryl. That's a lot of time passed. A lot of different phases, a lot of evolutions of myself, a lot of evolutions of my ex-spouse's self. We did a lot of growing in that. And I think at the end of the day, we wanted different things out of life. We just decided because we had these kids together, we were going to make it work. Our chemistry was great. Let me not front like it was not. Our chemistry was great. Our sex life was never in question. Um, we, we never had any issues there. Like it never dwindled. I cannot remember a time in all those years where we were not intimate at least once or twice a week. 
up until maybe the very end there, like I said, though, I was a workaholic. So there may have been some times where I was not as attentive to my spouse as I should have been. So things that I take accountability for are the things that I'm telling you guys about. But I will say this for my character. If I did a thing, nine times out of 10, I will admit to it unless shame gets in the way. As in the case with the Adderall and the Calazepams, I was really ashamed of that behavior to the point that even when I had an opportunity to clear my name during the divorce, um, I did not. Even when rumors came back to me about people saying that I was cheating or people saying that I had given my ex um, an STI, people saying whatever it was that they were saying, not once did I attempt to defend myself. To this day, I'm still not going to defend myself against rumors. I'm of the belief now that if you believe anything about me without coming to me and asking me, that's a personal problem that you got to work out. That has nothing to do with me. My life is still going to be lived (laughs) regardless. So with that being said, that is what uh, dissolved that marriage. I, uh, for the better part, being accountable for the things that I had done, which was really, really become selfish with Cheryl. I had become selfish with who I was. I had been in that marriage for a long time. I had repressed a lot of things, you guys. I really did because I wanted my spouse and my children to be happy. I recognize now that I was attempting to make them happy by neglecting my own needs, my own self, not allowing myself to make choices and to grow and learn from them. Being 19 or getting married, getting pregnant at 16, having a baby at 17, getting married at 18 and becoming a preacher's wife at 19 is a lot of pressure for a teenager. And um, at the time, society, the community that I was in, thought it was a noble thing for a 19-year-old to be carrying all of these adult things. Um, you know, and I was I was celebrated for it, not and people not realizing that I'm a child still growing, still developing, and not having the space as a young woman to make the poor choices that young people make learn from them and move forward. Every mistake, every bad choice, every poor choice that I made um, throughout my marriage was under a telescope. It was under a microscope because I was a preacher's wife. So anything that I did, I I did, it was like I lived in a fishbowl or a glass house. So everything I did was scrutinized. If if, If anything I did was known to the public, especially if it was something that I had done that uh, brought shame, scandal, or embarrassment. It was magnified. I was talked about, you know, I was judged quite harshly. Um, and that that's really tough to deal with when you're really young like that and, um, and you're in this small community. And honestly, I'm not even from that town. I'm not from Bogalusa. I'm from Brookhaven, Mississippi. So... 
I was an outsider for the most part. Now, I met a lot of friends and a lot of them embraced me to the point that they actually forgot that I'm not a native of Bogalusa, um, which is the town that we were in. So it was it was it was great. It's really tough being in a position in the church and having every move you make scrutinized. Um, it's really, really tough. You don't have a lot of people in your corner. You, it's a very unique position to be in because most of the women, and you have some good women, one or two that like they rock with you, they ride with you. It's a few that ride with you. But for the most part, you know, there's jealousy, there's envy. Um, everything you do is scrutinized, analyzed, talked about, criticized, judged. And uh, I learned to keep a smile on my face through it all. I was not a pushover, though. I was very nice. But people came to learn that I was nice. But if you push my buttons, you know, I will let you have it in a nice professional way. Um, I learned the fine art of telling you to go to hell in such a way that you will look forward to the trip. It's a nice skill to have, actually. But it was tough. Oh, my goodness. And I just kept my head up through it all. There used to be a saying, put your feelings in your pocket. And I did a lot of putting my feelings in my pocket, which I think trying to suppress depression and sadness um, and unfulfilled dreams shows up in other ways. It showed up for me uh, the first few times, uh, first, you know, the first couple of affairs I had, it showed up as infidelity. It showed up as later drug use. It showed up as different things, you know? Um, it showed up as me not seeing to myself. It showed up as me people pleasing all the time, wanting to please other people, wanting to make other people happy. I became a yes person. And by nature, being the Capricorn that I am, y'all, I am not a yes person. Sometimes I'm not even a fucking nice person, <laughs> be honest with you. Sometimes I'm mean as shit. But in order to cover up all of my discrepancies or flaws, I would over-accommodate for people, you know? And so I became very nice, the yes person do everything for everybody all the time, pouring into people all the time, never seeing about myself. And um, and then my marriage ended. Did I see that coming? No, because honestly, in my warped way of thinking at the time, I thought that life was grand, especially considering my ex-spouse did not really communicate to me that he felt neglected that he felt anything other than um expressing that he didn't like me hanging with my friends which I would say I've never even had friends to hang out with until now so no I'm not gonna not hang out with people that I enjoy their company it's an outlet for me because I'm under you 24 7 I am under you all the time we're at church all the time if I'm not working we're right here under each other all the time and I'm going to say this, the things that I've learned now that I've, I've come through, excuse me, I burped. <laughs> um, I've come through telling you guys what um, 
you know, what led up to my husband finally saying, I want a divorce. He no longer recognized me as his wife. I 100% firmly believe that. He did not see the Cheryl that he fell in love with all those years ago. And he's right. I was not that same girl anymore. I absolutely wasn't. I had outgrown her. I had put a post up around that time uh, of my senior picture. And I think it was something like, you know, I remember this chick. She's gone now, but I, and sometimes I miss her. I outgrew the child version of myself. And I became this very complex, vibrant, beautiful, happy, complicated, joyous, free spirit woman that I am today. And I am unapologetic about it. And let me tell you how I got to this point of being unapologetic unapologetic about it. I'm going to get a sip of water and then I'll come right back and tell you guys. All right, I'm back. I've blown my nose and I've sipped my water. All right, so the tower falls, basically. So you ask me for a divorce. We go through that whole rigmarole of... uh, me being accused of having an affair. I'm denying having the affair. I asked my ex, was he having an affair? He denied having an affair. So we're at a stalemate and he files for divorce. And then the tower falls for me in my life. My house of cards has finally come tumbling down. And I was numb. I I was numb, I think, from the point he asked me in September of 2018. For the remainder of 2018, I know for sure that I remained numb because he um, asked for the divorce and I said, okay, and we weren't going to tell our children until... We could get them all together, which unfortunately would have been Christmas 2018. That's when all of our children would have been home, which was tragic because our middle daughter got married December the 8th, 2018. And so we put up a facade between um, September 2018 all the way through her marriage and everything. Um... And then on Christmas, we did announce to our children that we were getting a divorce, which was devastating for the three, for our three daughters, because they did not see it coming at all. And that just goes to show you that we apparently were putting up facades for a long ass time, you guys, way before shit really hit the fan. We were pretending We were pretending and I honestly don't know when we fell out of love and we were just on autopilot as a couple, but it definitely happened. I think we kept it up so well because of the positions that we were in in the community. My ex-spouse being a pastor, me being a first lady, and there was a lot of things that we didn't discuss throughout the course of the marriage just to keep the peace 
between the two of us. So a lot of issues did not get discussed, which should have been discussed. Communication is vitally important for a relationship to be healthy and productive and continue to grow and move forward. At some point, even though we were, for all intents and purposes, a religious looking couple, we each had our own demons that we were not addressing, which ultimately our pride and ego propped them up. And pride and ego will say to you that you're right, regardless, regardless of whatever. I am right in the way I see and view the world. So anyway, my kids were crushed. That added another layer to my house of cards falling. Not only am I brokenhearted um, and my marriage is over, it's ending. It's also ending for our children. It domino effect. It was also ending for our families on both sides. His parents, his mother, his father had already passed. His siblings, my mother, my siblings, our extended families, our church family, our mutual friends. All of these things were connected and all of these things were falling apart. So now I'm dealing with my entire life as I knew it crumbling to pieces. And um, that was like the, the toughest part. And I did not go back. I didn't pick up any bad habits. As a matter of fact, at this point, I wasn't even smoking weed. I wasn't smoking weed. I wasn't drinking um, I wasn't taking clazepams. I wasn't taking Adderall. I wasn't taking anything. I was stone cold sober. And in the back of my mind, my spirit said, just let it break. Just let it break. At this point, just let it break. Let the dam run over. Just go with it. And that's what I did. Um, I just kind of went with the flow. For a little while I was numb at first I was depressed and numb so um I went through that process moved out in January of 2019 found a place kept moving forward in my job I kept performing I kept giving 110 percent at work I showed up every day I was having some trouble on the job as well lots of daggers in my back because I had just switched positions um, from one position to a, a different position. And people were upset about that for whatever reason. I don't know why people was upset that I had decided to move to a different position in a company. Some people said it was a, a lateral move, but honestly, it was a promotion. It was an excellent promotion. It was excellent benefits, excellent pay. I love the job that I moved into. I now see it for what it was. It was just envy. It was just jealousy and envy because I had excelled when others wanted me to fail. So I kept my head up at work. I kept doing my job. And I was even more determined to do even better because like I said, I had overcome this secret addiction that I had. And I know a lot of people, I'm, that story is not unique to me. It's lots of people that have battles that no one will ever, ever know about. I'm just sharing mine to help the next person get through theirs. Okay, so be kind to one another because you don't know what people are going through and what demons they are fighting are, are trying to the situations they're trying to get through in their lives. So 
anyway, uh, I prayed more during this time. I really got closer to God. I really got in touch with the Holy Spirit. Um, I leaned on my church family. I did, but I more so went inward to do my healing. I went inward. I isolated myself for a bit. I got into Taoism, uh, which is just if, if the Tao is called spirit. So it's like the Holy Spirit. So I got into balance, you know, working on being balanced in my life, working on meditation and working on balancing my chakras throughout my body um, and just really taking on my own spiritual journey. And I started doing that in 2019 as I'm going through the process of divorce and healing and the healing journey. It's a tough one because I'm, I still have feelings for my spouse. I still, um, am nostalgic for intimacy, which leads me to continue to have a very toxic, unhealthy sexual relationship with my ex, even after we separated up until the divorce was final. And I finally said, Hey, this is unhealthy and you've made the decision that you divorced me. You made the decision you don't want to be with me anymore. I need you to stand on that. If you don't want all of me and all my complexities, you can't just have a part of me and think that's okay. It's not okay. Behavior is very toxic. So then we cut ties. We cut ties from that point on. Um... And that's when my healing really began because that was a cycle I had to close. When you, that was the first, one of the first lessons I learned, you have to detach from the things of the past. And that cycle had ended. We had gotten a divorce. We had made the decision to live separate lives. And as hard as it hurt, and it hurt a lot because that was the longest standing relationship that I had been in. I had been married for longer than I had been home with my parents. I was home with my parents up until the age of 18. I only lived with my parents for 18 years. I was with my ex-spouse for 25 years. I was in a marriage longer than I was at home with my parents. So it took a minute to adjust to being single. Uh, it took a minute to start looking at myself in the mirror and really taking accountability for my actions. Was I upset with my spouse? Yes. Did I feel like I failed in that marriage? I did. I felt like I took a loss because that marriage had ended. And in my mind, marriages are supposed to last until you die. Like that's how marriage is supposed to go. At least that's my ideology. Well, it did not happen that way. And it was, um, devastating. I just didn't see it coming, you guys. So I said, what I'm going to do, I started reading self-help books on what to do. Like when you go through divorce, it's tons of stuff out there. Um, but I, I started listening to Abraham Hicks on YouTube and she talks a lot about source, which I call Holy spirit. And she talks a lot about detaching. So I started practicing the art of detachment where you have to detach your mind from things that have happened because the only way to heal from it is to let it go. So I wrote a letter to my spouse 
my ex-spouse. I wrote a letter of everything that I felt, um, everything that I wanted to say, any anger, any resentment, negative, whatever it was, I wrote this letter out, you guys. Uh, and I read it to myself and I had a fire pit in the backyard. And then I went out there and I burned that letter in that fire pit. I burned that letter. I went back through all of my old stuff. And if there was any letters or anything that I had found that he had written, cards, whatever, I burned those. I did it ritualistically for myself so that I could close that cycle spiritually and mentally for me. So that's what I did. I was having financial troubles because half my income was gone. And um, so I had to file bankruptcy. So I'm dealing with financial stress, emotional stress, you know, my child, trying to make sure our children are okay. And it did become a time when my ex wanted to tell his side of the story. So he went to each of our children and he, instead of just owning his part, he pretty much was like, it's your mom's fault. She did this. She gave me this. And that's why we divorced. And I was so upset. But then I learned that to not take it personally, I ended up getting a book from a friend. And I ended up doing all the workbooks for uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, and it's called The Four Agreements. And I pretty much just based my whole life on this principle now to just not take it personally. I had to learn to not take things personally. And it's a work in progress. I am a work in progress. So my main things for healing, for sure, was to look in the mirror and to start being accountable for the actions that I had done for the choices that I had made and forgiving myself and reconciling with myself. That's first and foremost. I'm still doing that to this day because every day we live is a new day to learn something new. If you ever get to a point where you feel like you've arrived, you have nothing else to learn and you're great the way you are, you're probably going to be dead and in the ground because every day we're above ground, we're learning about ourselves. So it's a constant journey. And I find myself now that I've learned to detach from a lot of things. And is it is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's not easy. It takes practice. Um, and there's books out there. I'm going to put some resources up on the All Things Undone Facebook page to help people if they want to try, you know, the art of detachment. If you want to try journaling, meditation, or learning how to align your chakras, which are all things that I practice to help myself along the way. So those are the things I've done. Mostly meditation and prayer were big parts of it. I'm going to be honest. Uh, as of today, right now, I don't go to a traditional church service. I worship God in my home. I do my meditations in my home. I read my prayers in my home. I read my book of uh, the Tao, which is the Tao Te Ching or Teo Te Ching. And it's the book about balance um, and about wholly giving yourself over to the Holy Spirit and letting go and going with the flow of life. Because we're like rivers of water. We have to flow with life and not against it. The more you fight against life, the more troubles you will find yourself in. The more you let go and the more you detach and flow with life. Flow with what is happening, with what Holy Spirit is trying to lead you to, the easier your life becomes. So that is what I practice. I practice the Tao. It's not a religion. It's a philosophy. I will put some resources on the All Things Undone Facebook 
uh, page if you would like to learn more about the Tao. It's pretty much about yin and yang, about balancing your yin and yang. It's an Eastern principle, not a Western principle. I also got into balancing my chakras and aligning the chakras in my body and um, meditating. I will put some information on the Facebook group page in regards to that as well. These are things I've been practicing now for the better part of three years. I also do positive affirmations on myself on a continual basis. I do them when I wake up in the morning and say my morning prayers. I do them in the evening when I say my evening prayers. And I've trained my brain that anytime I have a negative thought in my mind that I recognize that I immediately do positive affirmations under my breath to combat that negative thought that I had. And when I say negative thought, I mean negative self-thought, self-sabotage, negative self-talk. Any of those things that come up that's a negative self-talk, sabotage, self-sabotage, I immediately do my positive affirmations on myself. I manifest the things that I want. The Bible tells us, write your visions down and make them plain. And in, in its due season, it will come to pass. I put out into this world what I want. So the universe, which is part of God and the Holy Spirit, will bring to me the things I ask for. And that's in all things. That's not just material things, you guys. That's in love. That's in, in peace and joy and happiness and kindness and love, long-suffering. The things that I want uh, to bring me peace in my life. Because I'm determined to live a soft life um, now. Besides, I have like... <laughs> I have not that many summers ahead of me, as many as I had behind me. So I have learned to find the joy in every day. It had got so bad at one point. I was so low and so depressed. I almost thought about just disappearing, you know, just starting over, just ghosting my family. And I remember telling a friend years ago when he was going through a divorce and he was going through a tough time, I said, how did the ant eat the elephant? He said one bite at a time. And I had to take my own advice. How did the ant eat the elephant, Cheryl? One bite at a time. So I learned to take life one moment at a time. Sometimes one breath at a time. One moment at a time. One step at a time. One day at a time. And I learned to stay in the moment for as much as possible. To not live in the past. The past has happened. The choices I've made, I've made. I have reconciled with that. I've forgiven myself for those things. And now I am determined to be the best version of Cheryl that I can be, the best human being. What lessons have I learned from this journey um, about marriage and life? The first thing I have learned is when you are with someone to never compromise who you are. Always be your authentic self, no matter what. Learn now, even if you've been like me and you've given wholly over to um, being the best for someone else in your life and in your relationships, start today, and it is a journey, start today with being your authentic self. It is hard to shed the mask that we have worn for years because that's our safe place. That's where we're safe at. That's where uh, people like us at, right? And 
As you can tell by me telling this story, I have shedded the mask. There is no mask here. This is Cheryl, or as you all know me on here, Granny she is, without my mask on. That's the reason I'm able to tell you my story. Is because I'm owning all of me. The good parts, the bad parts, um, the, the parts of myself I think are wonderful, and the parts that I recognize are flawed because we are humans and we are flawed, okay? And we have to accept that about ourselves. I am perfectly imperfect and I am beautiful just like this. I am still worthy of love and to be loved, right? And those are the things that I expect to come to me. I put out love into this world in light. Um, and I let my light shine so others can see my good works and God in heaven be glorified. I'm still living those principles for my life. And I also learned that when you have the gift of a spouse, that you respect your spouse and you respect the relationship that you all are in. And then you cherish them as the gift that they are, even when they are not acting like a gift. Because love isn't always lovely, you guys. So cherish the gifts that you have. And it's also good to recognize when you are not compatible with one another anymore. That does happen with couples. Sometimes God didn't put us together. Sometimes we put ourselves together and we make the best of it. And it works exceedingly well for some and for others, not so much. I also learned that I count my first marriage as a success story. It was not a loss. It was a lesson learned. So yeah, we took L's. We took lessons learned from it. I also learned to the drop to drop my pride and ego. The Bible tells us that uh, pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And that's exactly what happened in my marriage. We were both prideful and we both had our ego and neither one of us was dropping it. And it definitely led to destruction of that marriage. If you're going to be fully and wholly committed to anyone in a marriage, you need to be vulnerable with one another. You need to communicate with one another and you need to drop the pride and the ego. It messes up so many relationships when we could just easily sit down and be vulnerable with one another and work through what we need to work through. And it also taught me in getting married so young to take my time, like take your time when you meet someone. There is no need to rush into a marriage. There is no need to rush into a commitment. Take the time to get to know one another and make wise choices. If you're going to be out here having, you know, sexual relations, use a condom. Keep yourselves protected if you don't want unwanted babies, you know, and you don't want unwanted diseases. Just be safe. So many lessons that I've learned and, and am still learning. But above all, you guys, what I have learned is be my authentic self, to love me, to date me. I'm dating myself right now. So it'll be interesting to see as, as this show prog progresses and as I move through my journey uh, of a successful divorcee, how that works in the world of dating or getting to know someone else. 
uh, and building towards the relationship because that would be unknown territory for me. Um, I have not done that as an adult yet. So, um, that will be interesting to see. And I'd be glad to share some of it with you guys. I'm kind of private, so not too much, but some, and as you can see, I've opened up quite a bit. This, this has been, um, eye opening. I hope it helps someone. If, if you're listening, I really, truly hope that this episode helps you learn that even in your darkest hour, look for the lessons that you can learn to become the best version of yourself, the most authentic version of yourself. As hard as it is and as heartbreaking as it is, I heard someone say the other day on, on an Instagram post, divorce is not heartbreaking, it's heart shaping. It's shaping your heart to be what it needs to be for your next partner. It's teaching you lessons. It's becoming and evolving into the heart space it needs to be for your true partner. So you all take that lesson and learn it. It's a hard one, but trust me, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It does take some time. So be patient with yourself in all things. Be patient with yourself every day. Wake up and remind yourself that you're doing your best. The four principles I live by, and I'm going to end it on this, is these. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be impeccable. Don't take anything personal. Don't make assumptions and make judgments about people, but live your best life every day. And that's the fourth one. Do your best every day. And that's what I wake up and strive to do every day is to be my authentic self, to do my best, to love and to shed light on everyone. It has worked exceedingly well for me. I'm in a very good place, a very good place mentally, spiritually and emotionally physically y'all i gotta get back in the gym but we'll add that to next season's roster of things to talk about thank you so much for joining me in this episode please leave your comments i would like to hear from you please join our facebook page to get the resources uh, that can help you grow as a single person if you have found yourself on the other side of divorce. In order to support the channel, I have written a journal called the I Give Myself Permission Journal. It's $9.99. It's available on Amazon.com. The link will be in the description for this episode. I ask that you all please purchase uh, a journal to help me support this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next season, season two, which should be dropping in about a month. We have some great things coming. Talk soon. I'm out of words and my voice is leaving me. So I will talk to you guys later. Good night.